Well, for the past couple of weeks, we've talked about handing our emotional baggage over to God and laying it at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Emotional baggage, you know, is unresolved emotions of yesterday. We just haven't taken care of them. And uh, if you were, were unable to hear one of those messages, you can find them on our website or iTunes, or you can just head over to our welcome desk and there's a free CD that's available for you if you haven't uh, listened to one already. You know, many of you have come to me already and you've made it clear that this series has been very meaningful to you, so we want to make all these things available to you so that this series will have as great an impact as possible. Uh, anytime we can find freedom from the things that weigh us down, the baggage in life, the more confidence we're going to have for our future, the more freedom we're going to find for our day, and the more our faith is going to expand in trusting these kinds of things over to Jesus Christ. The scripture that's really propelled this series is from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'd ask that, uh, that if you can, uh, we, we memorize this together. And it simply says, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. One translation puts it like this. It says, let us strip off the weight. Rather than hinder, let us strip off the weight. That slows us down. And baggage is certainly that weight, emotional baggage. And today we talk about that physical baggage. And we handle this just a little bit differently than we handle the emotional baggage. You know, I was shocked to find out this past week some statistics in the United States that over 100 million Americans live with chronic pain. They define chronic pain as a pain or a sickness or a disease that lasts for more than six months of your life. That nearly half of American adults are living with hurt. They're suffering each and every day. I'm speaking to a group of people right now that are in pain, that that you're hurting and you're looking for something to relieve the pain with. Here's my goal today. I'll make it very clear. My goal is to point you to Jesus Christ because He is the one who can help you get through what you're going through. He's the reason why it is important to be here today and to understand how God uses our baggage when it comes to our bodies. You know, some of you in this room, you haven't seen it this way. You haven't seen the need for Jesus. Uh, You may have put your trust into all sorts of things rather than putting your, your faith in the great physician. And while doctors, you know, can bring some healing or some comfort or can prescribe some medication, it's just temporary in nature. And we need to remember that Jesus Christ is not just a healer of the body, but He is primarily a healer of our soul and of our spirit. And Christ says that's way more important than the body because the body is temporary and the soul is eternal. And so if the soul is wounded, or if you are experiencing suffering of guilt, or of shame, or of sin in your life, it is Jesus Christ who is the only one who can heal, and there is no medication, there is no physician, there is only Jesus who heals that hurt. And uh, I think what most people desire, though, when it comes to their physical baggage, is that God just remove it. You know, there's been times in my life where I've experienced pain that has been lasting pain where I've said, God, would you take this from me? 
Would you just remove this physical pain in my life? But here's what most people don't know is that God wants to use that pain to accomplish a greater purpose in your life. He wants to use pain to accomplish his purpose in your life. But you have to cooperate with God. You have to allow that pain to be used for something greater. And you know what? Sadly, most people don't allow that. They don't allow God to use that pain to accomplish something greater in their life. Most people don't profit from their, from their problems. They don't harvest from their hurt. They don't advance from their adversity. Most people don't learn from their losses. They don't improve from their injuries. Most people never gain from their pain. And God desires for you today to understand that you can profit even though you're in pain. But let's acknowledge something together. Let's just acknowledge and settle on one firm truth uh, of life. And that is pain is present. It happens, it exists, and if you don't have it yet, it's coming your way. Uh, Physical pain is a hurt. A physical hurt which is caused sometimes by our own doing, but oftentimes it's not welcomed in our life. And it's not because of our own doing. Sometimes physical pain is the result of our own hand. We bring pain to our own lives. But many times, it is the result of something unwelcomed. For example, there's an accident. You've suffered through it. And now you're left with the effects of that accident. You have chronic back pain. And you can't find enough treatment, enough medication. And there isn't a surgery that's going to be able to solve it. It's your suffering. Or maybe you have gone through a job and there's a repetitive nature about your job. And because of that repetitive nature, you come home weaker and more weary than you did the day before because it is taking its toll on your physical body. Or maybe you just woke up one morning and you had this persistent pain. And then you went to the doctor because it wouldn't go away. And the doctor says, you know, you need to go see a specialist. I can't really define this for you. And you go to the specialist and the specialist He titles your pain by a name you've never heard before. And the title is so long and exhaustive to say that you don't even share it with your family and friends because your pain has a name, but it's it's undefinable. It's just something that you have to experience, and it seems like you have to experience on your own. (laughs) Pain, you want to know what pain is? Let me give you a good Christian definition of pain. Pain is the reminder that our time on earth is limited. And that our body aches because it can't go where our soul and our spirit long to be. And as we grow older, our bodies are going to grow wearier. Let me speak to the healthy for a second. Those who have yet to experience long-term pain. I think there is a misunderstanding towards pain. In the outlook of the healthy. That misunderstanding is maybe encapsulized in a few statements that maybe you see on uh, the wall of a, a place where you work out at or a t-shirt that you wear that promotes pain as something that's good and pleasurable for the body. Things like pain is temporary, but pride is forever. You go ahead and say that to somebody that's lived with chronic pain for years and see how they react. For them, pain is not temporary. And may I remind you, pride is not eternal. It's not forever. 
Or how about the statement of the healthy that says, pain is weakness leaving the body. I know it sounds good as if to say, I've got to persevere through this workout. (laughs) Friends, that's a 45-minute workout. Try living with pain for 45 days or 45 years because that statement's false. Pain is our body's natural response. It's our natural reaction to say, stop what you're doing right now, otherwise there's going to be a more severe problem with your body. Pain's like that check engine light that flashes as you drive that says, pull over because if you don't, you're going to ruin your engine. And the sad part of it is some of you have no choice but to keep driving. You're playing with pain. You don't have another option. As long as you're breathing, you understand enough about life that there's purpose to you, but that the pain is going to remain So let's get a better understanding of what pain is and what it isn't. Let's start by looking at it like this. Since it's present, let's understand that pain is not karma. Some of you might have this idea in your head that maybe someone's going through it physically because they deserve it somehow, because karma teaches us, which is, by the way, not a biblical concept, that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. You don't find that in the Bible. But yet somehow when we look at other people's pain or problems or disease or disability, we look at it and we say, wow, they must have done something to deserve that. You know, Jesus broke down that mindset. He really squashed and reprimanded his disciples when they started thinking that way about physical pain and disability. Christ's own disciples brought to him a man that was born blind, blind from birth, and they asked him this question, Rabbi, who sinned? You hear it? Where's the karma, Jesus? What bad thing happened in this person's life or what did he do wrong to deserve this? Who sinned, his parents that he was born blind or this man? Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. Let's let's repeat this last line together. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So a physical ailment, a disability, a mental or physical challenge... They aren't brought on because you've done something wrong and now you deserve this suffering. That man was born blind. His disability existed long before he had the ability to make wrong for his life. And in this man's case, this man was... uh, was blind so that Jesus Christ could be exalted, so that He could be healed in a supernatural way, and so that Christ's authority could be found on earth. And so you might be asking, why is it that I carry this disease? Why is it that I carry this chronic pain? Why is it that I suffer through physical hardship? And friends, the only thing I can tell you is this. God has His own reasons as to why He permits you to go through your pain. I don't have the answer. But I know that God will give you the strength to persevere through it. Secondarily, let's understand that pain's not an individual curse. When faced with prolonged pain, I think there's the inclination to think that you've been cursed for something you've done and you could even scream out to God, what did I do to deserve this? I think what we're really talking about is origins, the beginning of something, the the very beginnings. You know, when you get uh, the cold, uh, a cold settles in and 
gets in your throat, you get congested, your nose starts to run, your chest gets heavy, you become fatigued. But you, you all are aware that's not the first time humankind has ever had a cold, right? I mean, they've been around. They've been around for quite some, some time. And somebody, somebody thought you were worthy enough of being gifted that cold. And so you, you caught their cold. And they caught that cold from somebody. And that cold has just been regifted after regifted after regifted. That cold has. So what's the origins of that cold? Where did that thing originally come from? Who is to blame for that? Origins. Beginnings. How about look to the very front of your Bible, the book of Genesis, which means beginnings. It tells us this. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, some of you would think that God is just, uh, he's no fun. God gives you no freedom. When in fact, God is the most liberating, the most freedom finding thing that you can find in this universe. And he gave man and woman the decision to either love me and follow me with everything that you have, or you can have the decision to do what you want, to be selfish. And they decided to be selfish ultimately. He said, you're free to eat from the tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, what will happen? You will surely die. (laughs) We know the story of Adam and Eve. Eve was tempted and given into the temptation, and she sinned, and her poor, helpless husband followed along. Right? You know that story. <laughs> now, Adam didn't immediately die. Actually, we're told in the scriptures that Adam lived for 930 years of age. Which would make sense because if you had a perfect body, you were in a perfect environment, and all of a sudden it went downward you'd expect that some of that perfection would hang on for a while. But when sin entered the world, so did sickness, so did disease, so did deformity, so did chronic pain. And it wasn't caused by God, it was chosen by man's freedom to choose. And it's not a curse that God has put on your life individually, it's a general curse that says, this is what you wanted for your life. And now we have the repercussions that go along with it. And sooner or later, Adam succumbed to his sickness and death befell him. You know, the pain that we experience is not a specific curse. At some point, you who are healthy, we're all under the same curse. Are you ready for this positive preaching for a minute? We're all going to get sick. We're all going to experience pain. We're all going to die. Hallelujah! Isn't that good stuff? Isn't that motivating? That's a terrible message. Pain is a reminder that things here on earth are temporary, that our time on earth is limited, and that our body aches because it can't go where our soul and spirit long to be. Third, our physical baggage is not the absence of God's grace. I think you can be sick so long that you just forget that God loves you. That God cares about you. You can have such a dark moment in life that you feel that God's no longer even close to you, that He's abandoned you. King David, who is found time and time again in the Old Testament and wrote many of the Psalms that we find in the Scriptures, David had an extremely close relationship with God. Yet in his darkest hour, here's what he had said. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know what? I think as a believer, we can be inclined, regardless of how strong our faith is or weak it is, 
to get in this place where we honestly believe that God has forgotten us. Because if he were here beside our bed, he would take away this suffering. Do not mistake God's silence for God's absence in life. You know, I've read that the Native Americans had a unique rite of passage when their boys turned 12. They would, they would blindfold these young men, lead them deep into the woods, and set them by a tree. Now, if the boy was able to sit there all night long, blindfolded, and not remove his blindfold until morning, he would be considered a man. But he'd just have to sit there next to that tree, blindfolded in the darkness, Now, if you've ever been in the woods at night, it can be an intimidating place. And this young man is blindfolded. That would be hard to do with the rustling of leaves and the threatening noises of the woods. You'd think of every predator. Just imagine what he thought was coming towards him when the leaves would crack. But you know, in the morning, when he removed his blindfold, he'd be surprised to see his father standing there. Just a few feet away. He'd been there whole night long with his arrow and his bow engaged, protecting him. He was there, quietly waiting for any kind of trouble to approach his son so that that trouble could be dealt with in a powerful way. And that son didn't understand in the darkness that his unseen father was there beside him the whole time. You see, in the darkness of your pain, in the darkness of your sickness, in the darkness of your disability, may I remind you that there is an unseen Father that stands there to protect you, to love you, to care for you. He is not far away. He's standing close. Don't let your feelings overrule your findings of truth. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 says, The Lord Himself goes before you and He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I heard someone say, Don't doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Pain is present. And friends, God is present in your pain. So let's recognize this. Pain has purpose. If we allow it to, there can be a greater purpose in our life that comes through pain. Don't waste your pain. You can use your physical baggage in life to draw closer to the Lord. Some of you, you, you know this, that instinctively when trouble comes, when something happens in society that's overwhelming to us, instinctively we go and cry out before God and said, would you come and attend us? Would you come and help us? And that's an instinct of human nature. But some of us in this room have fought against the instinct. And we've decided for whatever reason, God, we don't need you. God, we don't want you. Or we've said, God, will take care of this pain in some other means than through you. You know, the Apostle Paul probably experienced some of the most tremendous amount of hurt and suffering in life. And you know when it started? It started when he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Think about that for a second. He came to Christ, and that's when his troubles began, both spiritually and physically. And now he could have sat back and said, you know what? Since I've come to Jesus, things have gotten harder for me. My body's begun to break down on me. He could become very bitter in his outlook towards his pain. 
But if you look in his letter of 2 Corinthians, he has a different attitude towards it as to why he carries the physical baggage. Here's what he says to that church. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. You ever felt that way? Crushed and overwhelmed in your physical pain. And we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. As a matter of fact, we expected to die. But as a result, as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. And we learned, we had to learn this, to rely only on God who raises the dead. And Paul's outlook is, if it wasn't for pain, I would have never been in this position where I had to truly and humbly rely solely on God Himself for my strength in life. And he looks to God and he says, not only can God heal, God raises the dead. And Paul looked at his suffering as though it took him to a place that only God could provide him strength to overcome. Don't waste your pain. Learn to rely on God for it's God's power that can overcome the pain and get us to persevere through it. Pain has purpose not only to draw us closer to the Lord, but to draw us closer to one another. You know, suffering, especially when suffering uh, is similar, it opens up and draws even strangers together, doesn't it? C.S. Lewis, a Christian author, had said, Friendship is born that moment when you look at one person to another and you say, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. That there's others in this world, in this congregation, in your row that have a similar pain. You know, affliction has the power to bring total strangers together. Here's what Scripture says about it. Carry each other's burdens. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what's the law of Christ? We've studied this before. We, we know, at least in part, Jesus had said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he said, Love your neighbor as yourself and when we carry each other's burdens we're not only showing a great love towards god we're showing a great love to our neighbor and when we do that we're fulfilling the greatest commandment what pain does is it oftentimes when we discover the purpose of it it has us look outside of ourselves and look to others who are hurting it gives us a it gives us a new perspective on others pain when one of our twins had to go to Riley Hospital for some tests to be run, he was admitted by the doctors because they were concerned that he was failing to thrive. Now that is a medical term which doctors have used for years, which is a way of saying we can't quite explain why you as a patient are dramatically decreasing in health. But we know that you are, and it's to the point where you could succumb to death. And when he was admitted to a room, my wife and I stood by his bedside, but we were beside one another. And we interceded to God and we prayed for healing. And then we just took in our surroundings and we realized that we were encircled by boys and girls whose struggles and problems were so much more severe than anything we were going through. And we looked at our kid and we said, you know what, with the care of a physician and with uh, a few bags of IV, this kid's going to be back on his feet doing normal kid stuff. 
But the cure for these children that were around us, the cure wasn't going to be that simple for them. And it opened up our eyes to see our pain differently and that our problem wasn't so problematic compared to those of our neighbors. And it took the focus off of us and our pain and it put the focus onto others when we saw it from a new perspective. And we were able to better minister to those around us once we realized that even though we have pain, our neighbors still have hurt too. And we can minister to them and we can carry each other's burdens together. Friends, your pain has purpose, but you have to allow it. You have to allow God to use it in your life. Your pain will also help you become more like Jesus. And I think this is one of the most positive and perfect things about pain. Some people let pain be a stumbling block to their failure. They say it all the times in what they say. I can't do that because uh, I used to, but no longer. And I guess there's some genuine excuse to it, but sometimes we allow our pain just to create failure for our future. But other people allow their pain to be a stepping stone to progress. It's just a matter of your attitude. And if God, if God's going to make you more like Jesus, well, He's going to put you in some scenarios just like Jesus we're in at times. And you know, Jesus was at times misunderstood. Jesus at times was criticized. He was judged. He was forgotten by friends. And He was fatigued. And God didn't spare His own Son from the pains of this world. So why would you believe that He would spare you from the pains of this world. God's word tells us that Jesus learned to be obedient because of his physical pain. Listen to the words of the writer of Hebrews chapter 5. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. He knew that when death was going to come, there'd be a severe pain that went along with it. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God, but he didn't spare him, did he, from the pain? And even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he what? He suffered. He learned obedience through suffering. And God is teaching you something in your pain. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not trying to classify it, but he's teaching you something in your pain if you'll just be obedient to it. And then it says in verse 9, these words, suffering Made Jesus perfect. Have you ever thought about your pain that way? That it's completing you. It's helping you to understand the world around you in a greater way. Giving you more mercy towards those that you can show mercy to you. Having a greater compassion for those who need compassion in this world. Suffering made Jesus perfect. And now he can save forever all who obey him. You see, suffering didn't make Jesus bitter. It made him better. He learned to empathize. And he had mercy for those that he saw that were hurting physically. How about you? What has pain brought to your life? Has it brought apathy? Because that's what typically takes place. You have an apathetic heart towards others. And you only are concerned about your own physical ailments. But how about taking the attitude of Jesus? That this pain is going to help complete me so that I can have great empathy for the world that are, is around me. That I can show compassion and mercy to my neighbors and to this world because I'm limping along. And there might just be some others in this world that are hobbling along too that need an arm around their shoulder to carry them through it.
Suffering can either desensitize you or it can deepen you. May it draw closer to the Lord. May you draw closer to the Lord through your pain. Here's the last thing. Recognize that your pain has power. Perhaps you carry a weakness. Perhaps you carry a weakness so that God's strength can be demonstrated through you. Born to lose over born dead for 18 minutes. When I was born, I was a stillborn baby. I was a dead baby. I was a blue baby. They put my body on a table in the corner and left me for dead. But it's not over until God say it's over. When I was 11 years old, my daddy got sick. Two weeks later, my daddy died with cancer of the liver. When I came along, I'm, I'm the baby of eight. And I'm not only the baby of eight. I'm a eight-number-one mama, baby boy. I love my mama. My mama did everything for me. She fed me. She clothed me. She bathed me. She walked with me and helped me. But one day in my life, my mom got sick when I was 14 years old. The doctor came to my family and said, your mama will never come home again. She had cancer. She had six months. At the very moment to live, I'd say, no, my mama. My mama will never abandon me. My mama told me, I, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. But I, I got down on my knees and prayed, God, don't take mama. God, don't take mama. God, don't take mama. But in October... 1968, my mama took a last breath. And when my mama died, I didn't want to live. I wanted to die too. I didn't have one thing to live for. Everywhere I went, people made fun of me. They look at me and they point and call me every name other than my own. He said, look, the boy walked funny. Look, the boy talked funny. I went home every day and got in bed and chilled, rolling down my face, begging to die. I attempted suicide every other day for two years. Everybody gave up on me. I gave up on me. One night, I went to church. I didn't want to go to church. I've been to church, but God don't love me. If God love me, why God 
take away my mama. If God let me one, God pick on me. God don't even like me. But that night I sit down in a church. Then I found out one thing. I found out that God does love me. Then I had a wonderful blame with my life. I found out that I'm not okay, but that's okay. God loved me just the way I am. And that night I... Came and I gave my life to the Lord. I went back to school after that night. The student body that called me every name other than my own, a public school. They were so dumbfounded. They had to call together a all good assembly to find out what changed my life. And I said to the body, I'm not the same anymore. I've been changed. I gave my life to God. I don't want to die anymore. I want to live. Why? Because I got something worth living for. They voted me to be the most popular boy in that Stuttgart. I became popular where I gave my life to God. God called me to go all over the United States telling my story. They tell me I I will never be I will never be a preacher. They say you won't ever make it. But I only been doing it. 37 years. They said nobody will invite you to their church, uh, but I have spoken in over 6,000 churches. We throw away broken things, but God don't. God used broken things. They told me I will never find a wife. No woman will love you. You're not good enough to be loved. But September 5th, 1981, God gave me a beautiful bride. We have been together for over 28 years. They told me I would never be a daddy, but I am not once but full time. Every time I look at my family, all I can say to God be the glory, glory thing he had done. I thank God every day for taking away my mama. If God did not take away my mama, my children would not be born. If God did not allow my mama to die, I would never find a wife. God saw a dead baby, and God brought that dead baby to life. And one day I'm going to wake up, 
I'm going to have me a brain and body. I'm going to see my mom and my dad again. We're going to live forever. And I'm going to say to my Lord, Lord, why have you been so good to me? And I hope it will say, well done, good and favor servant. Everybody want to be loved. Everybody want to be loved. And pain has power. And perhaps you carry a weakness so that God might demonstrate his strength. The Apostle Paul's outlook on this is, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, let's say it together. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. And insult in hardships and persecutions in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That is a God quality. And you need to celebrate what God can do even in the midst of our pain. Let's stand. Let's worship our God and be reminded that pain has purpose. It's present, but God has given us power to walk through it.